Gabe, in the news this week, I shouldn't say this week because uh, I don't want to tell people when we film these episodes, but in the news this week, uh, the FCC, one of the commissioners, looks like he wants to uh, remove TikTok from Apple and Google Play. So, uh, you know, it got me thinking of, of what I could do with all that time back in my life. But Gabe, you know, is that a, is that a big impact on your life? Not an impact on my life, but I did see it yesterday and I texted that video to you immediately and said almost that exact same joke, which was, I'm sorry, but think about all of the time that you're going to get back in your life. So oh, man, I'm already like, this is going to be I'm a sad day for a list. you of TikTok. <laughs> I know it's going to be a sad day if TikTok actually does get taken out of the, uh, out of the app store, but I, it, it, the, the cynical part of me goes, I wonder how much, I wonder what kind of giant pile of cash Mark Zuckerberg dropped off at the FCC chairman's house to, uh, or commissioner's house to try and get him to remove TikTok from the apps, the Apple and Google Play stores. This, this is how the conspiracy theories get started. We talk about them on the podcast mm -hmm. and then next thing we know, <laughs> but no, I, I think it's pretty funny yeah. because we've talked about Instagram. We talked about TikTok a lot, but too, but we've talked about Instagram and kind of the alternative, you know, but. I'm not quite ready mm -hmm. for TikTok to go away. If it goes away, uh, you know, I'll find something else to do <laughs> to waste my time on. But I, I still think uh, short form video is not going away. So uh, don't be distracted by TikTok no. going away. No, short form video is not going away. Short form vertical video is is here for a while until we figure out what our next thing is that's going to, you know, ruin all of our free time. But the it is the interesting next thing it to is, waste time on. Yeah, exactly. The next thing to waste time on. But did you did you hear the reasons why they're concerned and wanting to take it away? Because it is kind of crazy. I believe it was a lot of that uh, data sharing uh, Chinese kind of background. Is is that the same reason? Because that, that was the case. I think it was last year when this this discussion mm -hmm. happened. Yeah, it's it's a lot of that same overall theme, right? Of you know, oh, we don't, you know, we we. We don't want China to getting our getting our data, but the type of information that they were gathering in the background of the app is kind of insane. And what does what remind is the you information? That, because I didn't actually oh read man, that was, that part. It was you know pulling information about what other you know what are what other things you engaged with, right? You know what other websites you visited, your location data. I mean, there's lots of information that was being gathered and sent back, and the. The other big distinction that they're that they've been trying to make is TikTok is saying, well, no, all of this data just lives on servers in the U.S. on, on cloud servers in the U.S. And it turns out that that's actually not true. That a lot of the data does get pushed back to to China. And now TikTok's saying, well, yeah, it does, but there's only people, certain people at the company that have access to it, and it's on a need to know to use my air quotes here, need to know basis. Um, but you know, what does that mean? Right. Who, who's in the need to know group versus who's not. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not actually a conspiracy guy. So, you know, I don't, and I feel like, I feel like when we're using these apps, we've sort of made the decision that our data and privacy is probably gone at this point, but a, it is an, an interesting an feature, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, but I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think it'll actually get taken down, but it is an interesting conversation. I don't think so. I've, TikTok is one of those apps that if you download it, you know what you're getting into. If you really value privacy, <laughs> um, you know, step, I mean, 
it's not like Facebook, you know, is keeping your data safe too. But if you really value well, privacy, yeah, I, true. this is my opinion, but I think, I think a lot of it relies on the consumer of, of knowing what app you're downloading and, and sharing and, and, you know, that information, how TikTok handles that data though. That's, that's a separate question, but um, enough about TikTok, mm -hmm. Gabe. Um, last week I, I was out traveling. Uh, you had a fantastic episode with Kat on the success team as well. So if anyone hasn't listened to that episode, I highly recommend going out and listen to that. I it, it was so good. I was worried I would be replaced this week, so I'm I'm happy happy to be back with you, Gabe. But I think I can say that Kat might be my my favorite guest host that we've had. She might be the only guest host, but uh, she can she can she can be the favorite guest host. But definitely go back and listen to that website. But there was one thing you guys talked about, and it, it made me kind of want to talk about it in depth a little bit and add some context around, but you guys talked about some tools you can use on, on websites. And that kind mm -hmm. of got me thinking, and there's a question that always, you know, I see it, I see it online all the time. And it's basically how often should I be redesigning my website? Or what, what does that time frame look like? And you made the comment today. You said, well, if you're asking that question, you know, it's, it's overdue, it's time. So I really wanted to dive into that discussion a little bit today and talk about um, you know, what, what you should be doing before you even begin this process, how you know mm -hmm. you should begin this process, and, and really what you can walk through when doing a website redesign just to make sure everything's optimized and, and the actual project itself takes off. So uh, number one thing, Gabe, is, is, you know, you and I talk about knowing your data all the time, but mm -hmm. before you do this website redesign, I think one of the big things people forget is to know your data. What pages are people visiting? How often do they go to a specific page? Um, you know, what are your SEO rankings, submissions, um, if you have form, contact forms on your website? But I think knowing all of this data really paints a big picture of really how people are using your website. And this is data that's pretty high level. Everyone should have some kind of analytics on, on this information. You don't have to go all the way in depth, um, as we'll talk about hot journal here in a bit, but you don't have to go mm -hmm. that deep immediately if you don't have access to that data. But knowing what pages people visit and how they interact with your site, that's that's really step one. Before you even begin the process, it's it's understanding how people engage with your website. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I mean obviously Google Analytics is sort of the you know gold standard for this just because it's free, it's relatively easy to set up and you know it's accessible to to really everybody. So yeah, hundred percent agree with you there. One of the one of the tools that I really like in Google Analytics, besides just all of the stuff that you talked about, you know, what's what what pages are actually getting visited, you know, what are the most popular pages, how are people getting there, all that good stuff. But I love the have you have you spent much time looking at the behavior flow analysis in Google Analytics? A little bit, yes. I love behavior flow. It's so interesting because you can what it does is it shows you a really cool visualization of, and I'm you know, I'm obviously a total sucker for cool visuals, but uh, and cool charts and graphs, but it shows you basically the flow of how users are navigating around on your website. So if they came in from your main page, then what pages did they go to from there? If they came in on another page, what other pages did they go to? And not only the first level, but you can break it down into multiple levels of how far did it go? How far did they go before they fell off? Um, and really start to get a better understanding of I think the usability of your site, it's, it, I just love that visualization. One so thing I like about that, Gabe, is it really tells you how many clicks are my users taking to get to a page. So you can look at your page yes. rankings again and say, hey, if everyone's going to my um, contact us page, whatever page it may be, 
mm-hmm. maybe make that page more visible on your navigation or bring it so it's easier to navigate. So keep an eye on those clicks. I, I, I don't know what the actual number is, but I feel like for the most part, I've, I've always been told like, if someone's looking for a page on your website, it should be done in one to three clicks. You know, you don't want to send them down yes. a rabbit uh, rabbit hole and, you know, just be lost. So keep that in mind too, is, is understand how people interact with your website before you even tackle the project. Mm-hmm. And and we'll get yeah, to absolutely. what that timeline looks like on how often you redesign your website here in a few minutes. But just looking, looking ahead a little bit too, is the next thing before you begin the project is to understand your goals. You know, that's really the why am I doing this? Because you really don't want to redesign your website just because the design is out of date. I mean, it's it's still a good reason, but in addition to mm-hmm. that, you need to understand, you know, why do I want to tackle this project? Is it just to redesign it or is there something something more I can do? And again, this is when you can focus on that that same data. Who's visiting my website? How much time are they spending on my website? Are they submitting that form data again? But just understand how people are engaging with your site and then take that into account when you establish goals on what you want to accomplish. Do you want to drive people to to spend more time on your site? Do you want to drive them to do something specific on your site? Whatever that may be, that's that's really the next step on, on this planning phase. Uh, agreed. It's a great point. And yeah, really think about what that end goal is in mind. Is it is this intended to be an educational site where you just want people coming and clicking around and reading content? Or is it something that's really looking to drive conversions? You know, Zach, obviously we work in the broadband service provider industry. And you know that's one thing that I see a lot with broadband service providers is there's a lot of opportunity for improvement on driving conversions from the website. And there are certainly challenges that can come up there. There's potentially backend integration that they need to, with, need to do with billing systems and things like that. So setting those complexities aside, but oftentimes there is, their websites are often too informational and not enough direct calls to action around the thing that you really want people to do, whether it's sign up for a service, you know, sign up for sign up for a new service, sign up for an additional service. Uh, you know, make some conversion. There's just not a th- enough of those calls to action that are really trying to drive those specific conversions. If that's your goal. Oh man, Gabe, that, that reminds me of one of my biggest pet peeves is websites that are text heavy, walls of text explaining mm. something, whatever that text is. But the last website redesign project I did just about, it was in a bank. So just about every feature in online banking had a description next to it, like on what it did. Like you'd click on transfer mm. and like there'd be this giant paragraph saying like, this is what transferring does. This is how to do it. And I'm like, if someone's clicking that button, you would hope they know what the transfer button does. But every single object on this website had a description. And I'm like, well, this is just a terrible user experience, you know, unless you're like brand new to banking, you know, or, you know, you're 120 years old and have never used a computer. Like it, it's just too complicated. So don't be this text heavy website, have those visuals, have those call to actions and and simplify that that user experience down. So if if your user experience is so complicated that everything needs a description, you've made a mistake. You've made a mistake already. <laughs> it's, a, it's a great point. And and speaking of this website redesign, one of the things I did when I when I began this design is I went on and I said, "What is my competition doing?" And then from mm. that point, again, this was a bank, so then from this point I went, you know, what are the national banks doing? What what is a credit union a state away doing what do people do 
um, in this industry. And that's one of the big takeaways is I went around to all these different sites and I, and I saw something like, oh man, I, I really like that. I would take a note of that. And then when I came mm-hmm. back to the actual design phase, um, you, you don't want to go ahead and, and, and explicitly copy someone's, someone's website or just copy and paste yeah. from their site. But if you do see something you like, take a note of it. Um, if there's something you don't like, make a note of that too. But just see what everyone else, um, especially your competitors, are doing in their websites. Gabe, we see this a lot in the broadband industry, you know, working with our customers every day. Um, you know, maybe we, one of the big national providers does something cool. Uh, we'll take a note of that mm-hmm. and we'll share it with, with our customers too and, and kind of adapt that into that small local local feel. So that's one way is, is yeah, to just look at that, look, look at your competitors, see what they are doing and, and really, mm-hmm. um, you know, ad- adapt your strategy to. If there's something you like, again, just, just make note of that. Don't copy, but see how you can adapt it into your <laughs> website. Yeah, let's not copy and paste. We talked about copy and pasting on a, a couple episodes ago, Zach, where we were talking about creating content. And, you know, I'm fine with copying and pasting your own content and putting it in multiple places. Don't want to copy and paste from your competitors' websites and put it onto yours. But using it as inspiration, absolutely. You know, I think that's totally fine. And, and, looking at how they're framing up the value prop for their for their customers. And if you feel like that's a good way to do it, then maybe use that as a little bit of inspiration. I'll give you a really specific example uh, that from stuff I was looking at just the, over the past couple of weeks for some competitive research I was doing. One thing I noticed on the large national broadband providers sites that a lot of them have these quest- quizzes um, where they will ask you how you use the internet. So tell me how many devices you have. Tell me what you typically do. Do you work from home? Do you stream? Do you game? And then they're going to make a suggestion for a particular tier. I saw this exact same thing when I was looking at a lot of the third-party Wi-Fi companies. So Eero or um, you know Netgear, these types of companies that potentially people are going out and buying these Wi-Fi systems. They'll ask similar things. How many devices do you have? How big is your house? How many levels is it? So they're asking these questions in a quiz format and then making a suggestion of what they think based on those answers, the best solution for you is going to be. I I think that's really effective. And I think more providers could be using something like that. So if you look around and you see that all of your competitors are doing some version of that, there's clearly a reason why they're doing it. And maybe you want to take a little bit of inspiration from that type of quiz and work it into your own website. I think that's exactly it. There's nothing wrong with going out and, and looking for that inspiration. I mean, we, we browse, I don't want to say hundreds of websites a day, but you know, we, we visit a lot <laughs> of, a lot. you know, web pages maybe, but you know, everyone visits a lot of web pages and, and websites. So if there is something mm-hmm. to see, you know, just, just keep that in mind and, and, and think about how you can adapt that to your own website. Gabe's example is fantastic. So um, definitely just, just keep that in mind. And again, one thing I like to stress, if there is something you don't like, something that you just absolutely hate, Make sure you note that too, because the last thing you want to do is if you're working with a, an agency or, or a web developer, it's the last thing you want to do is run into something you don't like that you've, you've already seen. So keep that in mind too. Yeah. One of the tools I like to use though, Gabe, is, is from HubSpot. It's called the uh, Marketing Grader. And what it does is you can put your website in and it'll analyze the performance, SEO, security. It'll rate things from zero to 100%. And then it'll give you tips on what you can improve. So for example, on the performance metric, it'll say, um, what your page size is. It will say what the load time mm. was. SEO, it'll say, hey, you know, this, these pages have permission to index, you know, Google and Bing, whatnot, they can come on and, and index this page. You've got these descriptions in. It'll rate everything. And if you miss any of these steps, it'll tell you. But the trick with this site is, <laughs> this tool, 
you can also put your competitor websites in here too and see what they're doing oh, and how they're doing. Yeah. So I was going to ask, they, is this, is this a free tool? It from is, HubSpot, it, it is free for this one. No, it is absolutely free. Gabe, we nice. will, we will put this cool. um, definitely in, in the notes here. So, um, you know, feel free to reach out to Gabe and myself as well to get some additional information on this, but put your competitor website. If they are lacking in the SEO category, pick up and like take that from them, you know, improve your own mm -hmm. SEO. And the thing with this tool is do it on your website now. And then once you redesign your website, if you have a, maybe a staging site, whatever that URL is, do it on that one again, you know, improve this website. It's not just going to be a static tool saying, here's one analysis, goodbye. Continue to use this and make sure you make these improvements on your websites. And again, one cool thing on this site is it also looks at your mobile website. So when people visit your website from a mobile device, it'll tell you, you know, is, is that, is it optimized? Is, is it going to cause any mm -hmm. issues? And that's one thing, you know, I feel like we don't see this as much in 2022 Gabe, but I think in the past we had this issue of like, oh, the, the, the website's great, but the mobile site is, is total trash. Uh, not to throw, yeah. you know, anyone under the bus here, name names, but Facebook's mobile website is absolute trash. Like, I don't know if you visited <laughs> that thing. And the problem with the Facebook mobile website is, is it's a different version than their desktop site. And then it's also different mm. from the app. So they've got like these three different user experiences pulling everyone in different directions. It doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and I don't want to like hit on Facebook all the time, but, but if they would have used the HubSpot tool, <laughs> they would have uh, avoided that, but, but really use this tool. I feel like they probably could have afforded it too, but you know. Oh man, they probably have their own tool, but. <laughs> um, yes, I'm sure they do. But, but back to the point is use this tool on your own website, um, pre-design, post-design, and then use it on your competitors too. If, if you see they're lacking really in SEO. Oh yeah. If, if you see they're lacking in SEO or, or I guess any of these categories, um, you mm -hmm. should make improvements to make sure you, you you beat them out there. If if they have long load load times and you know giant page sizes, you work mm -hmm. with your development team, see how you can improve that because there's nothing more painful than going to a website and just it slowly loads. You know, you've got the thought going through my head: <laughs> is is my Wi-Fi down? Is it my problem? Is it my phone? Is is it right. the website? And, you know, you're switching between you know 5G and Wi-Fi and trying to get the best connection, and it ends up being you know the website itself. So make sure that doesn't happen too. One thing well, I did the amount of time, <laughs> Go just ahead. a couple of things to top up there, Zach. So just to hit follow up on your last point there around, around slow load times, people's patience for slow load times is incredibly short. Like, you know, uh, we like things yesterday. That's what I tell seconds, people. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, especially, especially your generation, but you know, people, I mean, look, people, people just expect websites to load. It's not the dial-up days, you know, where, you know, it would tick, 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 and you would see these, you know, images loading on the screen. That's just not how it is. So if your site isn't loading quickly, you're right. I mean, people are not, people are just going to bounce and your bounce rate is going to be super high. One other thing um, I wanted to hit on, uh, on your, on your comment about the marketing grader and, you know, kind of this before and after, because I think that was a really great point of, hey, this is where we were at before, and this is where we were at after. One of the things that Kat and I talked about last week was this idea of marketing not getting a seat at the executive table sometimes in a lot of companies because they're, I don't, for whatever reason, right? But this is a great way for you to have specific KPIs to take back to your leadership team and measurable things where you can say, look, these are the changes that we made. And these are the specific improvements that are, that are, 
you know, the specific improvements that resulted from these changes that we made. So I feel like a lot of times marketing is kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You're running some ads, you know, maybe you're out, you know, handed a big check to somebody. Right. And there just isn't as much respect given to that part of the organization where if you can take it and say, hey, look, we ran this through an analysis. This was our score on our website that we that we got before. Now we went and we did all of these improvements and now here's our score now. That's a really measurable thing that you can take back to your leadership team and remind them of the benefit that marketing is bringing to the organization. Oh, absolutely, Gabe. I think I think you make a fantastic point with that is is with this data, you're getting that before and after picture. So if you're mm-hmm. and, and one of the, the points I made earlier was what are you trying to do? What's what's your goal? Are you trying to drive conversions, sales, leads, whatever that may be? Have that data yep. too. Um so that's that's another great way to look at it. Um, before we get into how often you should actually do this redesign um, process, one thing in the redesign, when you look at establishing goals that you should look at is what new functionality should I be adding? You know, what, what, mm-hmm. what's something new that I can add to my website? And Gabe, we've talked a lot about this in the past. Um, number one thing that comes to mind is blogs. I, I strongly mm-hmm. believe that if you're doing a website redesign project, you know, depending on your industry, I guess I'll give you that. If you don't have a blog or some kind of you know, content that engages with, with visitors, you, you might be doing something wrong, but I feel like in most cases, there's something that you can put out there. There's information that you need to share as a business, whether it's a BSP or what have you, but having that blog format, and you don't have to call it a blog. Uh, when I did this, I called it a learning center. And each week we'd, we'd yeah. hop on and, and talk about a new, at the time it was a new finance topic, um, whether it was an SBA loan or uh, refinancing, we talk about something new. And we were a bank and we never once called it a blog. We called it the learning center. And then we also had a separate one. Again, same same blog format, but we just called it in the community. And it, we would just be highlighting different community organizations, you know, promoting them. So you don't have to call it a blog, but think of new ways to add content into your website. Blogs, mm-hmm. landing pages, shareable content, you know, videos. Uh, I mean, you can share in blog posts too, but having something that uh, you can share on social media and then your, sub- your subscribers, your customers, whoever can share f- as well. If you've, if you've been to a website, you've probably seen those social media buttons, you know, share on Facebook, retweet, whatever. Something like that is, is, is fantastic to use too. Just make sure you use them appropriately. Yeah. And, and, you know, you're not just sharing random spam content. But, um, <laughs> and, uh, and the last thing too is, and we're going to dive into this here in a few minutes, but analytics. We've talked about Google Analytics Hopefully by now you have something on your website that's tracking analytics. Um, Google is the one we talk about the most. Just about everyone I, I, I interact with has Google Analytics, but there are so many other tools as well. Well, we've got Clarity, we've got Hotjar. Gabe, I know you really like Clarity as well. It's a fantastic one, so we'll definitely talk about that. But look around, see these analytics tools. You've got you know, Facebook Pixel you can install on your website too. Just different things like mm-hmm. that. If you're doing a new website, it's a perfect opportunity to to integrate these now. And the thing with these is if you wait, if you forget about these, if you delay, you're not going to have any of that data. So your new website's going to go live and you're not going to have that, that, that in-depth insight onto how that website's doing. So get that on your website, get that on the, on the top of your mind um, and have that done. Yeah. I, I just, I'll put a, I'll put a plea out to people. So if you are thinking about redesigning your website, if this thought has crossed your mind, if it's been a few years since you've, since you've redesigned your website, whatever it may be, please just go install Microsoft Clarity or Hotjar, but 
as Zach said, I'm a big fan of clarity for lots of reasons, not the least of which it's free and it's, you know, uh, got some compliance stuff that's already set up from a data perspective, but go install clarity so that you can see this data and that you can make an educated decision around what those issues are, because you're absolutely right, Zach, until you go and you take that snippet of code and stick it on your website, you have nothing and you're just guessing around what's working and what isn't. So if the thought has crossed your mind that you think you need to do a website redesign, please just go install Clarity, let that data gather in the background. And within a month or two, you're gonna have amazing and fantastic data to look at. And we're gonna dive into these tools here next that you can use. Yeah, but let's do it. The, the big question I asked at the beginning was how often should I be redesigning my website? And mm. you know, Gabe, you made the joke, you know, now if you're asking the question, but the, the number <laughs> I see most offers every two to three years, you should be um, looking at your website, not only like the actual design itself, but the functionality too. So these website redesign projects, keep in mind two to three years. I can think of the websites I visited excluding Facebook because, well, we all know, but I would say just about <laughs> every website I, I, I visit does some major redesign every two to three years. I think of the Apple website specifically, the navigation menu at the top has almost never changed. It's always been like that, that gray box, at the top. Mm -hmm. But if you've noticed the past couple of years, Apple's pages on their website, it's really scrollable content. You scroll through it, the product images changes, the text moves, things animate. So it's, it's, it's a really immersive experience, but they, they didn't yeah. used to have that it used to be, you know, images, text, and so on. And Apple's one of the big ones that I think of as like the actual feel of the website hasn't changed too much. You still have that navigation at the top, but once you get into it, you notice how much it's changed. Facebook, I, you know, I mentioned Facebook, Facebook, they've only changed their design like once, I think. And it was two years ago, maybe, you know, when it went from like that blue to the kind of the white clean feel. They were a unique case. I mean, they've got billions of, of monthly active users. So it's not, you know, as, as easy for them to just, you know, flip a switch and, and be done. But every other website, um, you know, make sure you're on the two to three. If you're over five years right now, like you're definitely overdue uh, and we should have that discussion. Yeah, no but um, keep in mind, you know, it's going to depend on, on your industry and whatnot. But if you haven't redesigned your website since 2020, I, I would strongly consider it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. 2020, is that two I, years ago? I, I can't believe that. <laughs> 2020 is two years ago. Yeah. Oh man, That's it feels like, crazy. feels like just yesterday. Lots but... changed since then. And uh, with, you know, how, uh, how much things have changed over the last couple of years, if you haven't, you know, if it's been since 2020, even more reason to probably take a fresh look at it, right? I would argue, Gabe, that if you haven't changed your website since 2020, there have been so many shifts that you're like extremely overdue at this point, you know, with, with everything yeah. shifting online and that user experience and that sh online retail shopping, whatever that may be. If you don't have that kind of experience back in COVID, when I did my last re redesign, we, we integrated live chat into our website. You know, people couldn't come mm -hmm. in to talk to us. They either had to call us or well, call us. <laughs> so we added live chat so they could just quickly hop on and, and send us a message. And that was one of the features we did. We adapted our website to accommodate, um, you know, uh, the current event. So keep in mind, um, mm -hmm. you don't just redesign your websites every two to three years. You can add, you know, tweak things in between. Um, but, uh, that website hadn't been redesigned since 2011. So you can imagine the mess I, <laughs> I was cleaning up, <laughs> but Dave, one of the things <laughs> we sure. talked about a little bit was the tools. We've mentioned clarity. Yes. We've mentioned, um, hot jar a little bit, but one of the things I just want to mm -hmm. bring up before we jump, jump into those tools is when you design your website, there's tools you can use to mock up your website and, and kind of give it that visual. One of the ones I use was 
I kind of designed a site in Adobe Illustrator. I'm a big Adobe fan, so that was like my go-to. I designed this thing in Illustrator, and then I uploaded it into a UX mock-up tool that I've used. And Gabe, I've shared this tool with you. The name is escaping me. So if you remember the tool name, let me know. But once you have your mock-up, you can, you can um, upload these images or these screenshots or whatever you have, or you can actually build it in the app. And then you can add little clickable boxes so people can interact with the design as if they were inter you know, interacting with a live site. And that's really a, a, a design phase. You know, it's, it's not live, you know, you're still kind of, you know, designing it. So that's one tool I'd like to use. And I, I cannot think of the name. It totally escapes me, but we'll put that in the show notes as well. It escapes my brain too, but, uh, but it, it, it's it fantastic. It'll, it'll come to me at like three o'clock this morning and I'll wake up screaming it, but uh, I don't remember off the top of my head either. Oh man. But the other one, Gabe, is, and this is one that you can install on your website, line of code, you know, um, this one's uh, hot jar specifically. And what this one does hmm. is it generates heat maps. It records actual user sessions. So you can see, you know, where, where the mouse is going, what are they clicking on? And then you can also use it to collect feedback and build surveys right into your website. So you can get that little pop-up on the bottom right or wherever you put it. And uh, you can say, hey, you know, like, how could this page improve? You know, something simple like that and people can leave their feedback. But if you're not listening to customer feedback when you're redesigning your website, you know, that's, uh, what is that? Problem zero here, Gabe? I think, I feel like I've established a few problems and mistakes today, but you've got to listen to that feedback. So if you're not collecting it, you know, collect it. You you definitely need to to understand how people are using your website and what they would like to see. Yeah, I'm, I'm nodding my head vigorously because yes, absolutely. You need to be collecting that data during the during the design phase and 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 pre-design phase to understand where those issues are. You know, you mentioned a bunch of great features that are available in Hotjar. You know, same thing in Clarity. You know that you know, heat maps. Uh, you know, most visited pages. One of the other ones that I love is scroll depth. Uh, being able to understand how deep people are scrolling into the page, which as we've talked about is shockingly little. <laughs> uh, I, very I, really, I really want to see the scroll data on Apple's website. You know, I mentioned, you know, you can scroll through, mm -hmm. but like if you go to like the mm -hmm. iPhone page or whatever page, like, I feel like you scroll like two miles, you know, like, and I, I'm really interested to know because I, I personally, this is my opinion. I don't like that experience too much. I, I like, you know, quick mm -hmm. information, but it, you mm -hmm. know, Apple, Apple gets away with it just because they have you know, fantastic. Yeah, because they're Apple, right? They've <laughs> built up enough credibility. You know, I'm sure I'm sure their scroll depth is a lot greater than most companies. Yeah. You know, I think most companies, if if it's not in that top section, you know, above the fold, people are not gonna they're not gonna scroll down. From what I've seen in most cases, fifty to sixty percent of people are gonna fall off below the fold. So if you've got content below the fold, sixty percent of your users or your visitors are probably not going to see it. That's fantastic. But yeah, and Gabe, I used Hotjar a little bit. One thing I do like to point out is um, when you use Hotjar, when you're collecting that feedback, if I'm planning to redesign my website October this year and then go live in January, 2023, I want that feedback today. I want to know what mm -hmm. people think. Of my, I don't want to wait until November. I don't want to wait till my new website launches. I want that feedback today. So collect that feedback early. Make sure you understand yeah. what people are saying and what they'd like to see. One of the big things on um, the feedbacks I got was was people wanted to do different like open accounts online and 
and fill out different documents and, and forms online and instead of coming into the mm. bank and doing that. So that's one of the things we did. We, we did just that. We listened to that feedback. Um, you know, you can apply for a home loan right on our website and, and work directly with one of the lenders. So you can do all of that digitally now. I, I actually saw a post on yep. Instagram last night and it was something along the lines of, oh, I went to the bank and, and picked up checks and, you know, might, um, you know, might ride my horse into, you know, the office tomorrow or whatever, you know, just kind of <laughs> making a comment on how like nobody does, yeah. does that traditional no. mean, you know, I shouldn't say nobody, but you know, when you're, when you're coming to a Very website, few people. you need to have the functionality. People are coming to your website. They're, you know, they're digitally inclined, hopefully, but if they're coming to your website, they expect, you know, that digital retail experience. If, if there's something that they have to come into the office for, maybe consider, is there a way we can do that on the website? You know, mm -hmm. I think of, I think well, of like, bill I, I think like imagine like having to mail a check to pay a bill versus, you know, doing it on your website. Like that's one of my favorite examples is I will never like write a check and, and pay someone if I can do it on their website. So going back to that comment earlier is what's the new functionality on your website? Um, don't just redesign, add additional functionality. So just think of different ways your customers engage with your business today and how you can bring that to your digital storefront. Well, and, and think about how your target market is changing. You know, Zach's age group is now financial decision makers. <laughs> so they've grown up with a 100% digital economy. So if your website is not set up for Zach and people like Zach who want to engage with you in a digital way, you're behind. And you need to really be thinking about, you know, that particular group of folks, you know, that, that are just looking for a completely different way to engage. One of the other tools or resources I would highly recommend is doing actual user research. And there are great companies out there. there there's companies out there that you can go and pay to do this research for you. And if you're spending, you know, $10,000 or probably more on a website redesign project, it probably makes sense to throw a few hundred bucks at some user research. And what these companies will do is they will actually, you tell them, here's the demographics of the group that I want to go test my website. They will go out and they will find people that fit those demographics. And then they will pay them to go through your website. They will record the sessions and they will determine if people were able to successfully do the thing that you wanted them to do. So you can say, hey, I want this outcome. Was this person actually able to go and do it? And yes, is it going to cost you a little bit of money? Yeah, it is going to cost you a little bit of money. A few hundred bucks, maybe even a you know, couple thousand dollars, depending on how many of these tests that you do. But the information and the insight that you get from that is going to be so valuable in that overall project that to me, it is totally worthwhile to you know, go out, find one of these organizations that does this, just, just go to Google and Google user testing. <laughs> and there's going to be a bunch of options that come back and you know, really help you understand how a real user is going to interact with your website uh, with, the, you know, with the changes that you'd like to make. And maybe do it even, to, to Zach's point, maybe even do it before you actually do the website redesign project as well. So you have all that information around the challenges that currently exist. So you can figure out how to address those, you know, as you move forward. Gabe, this whole mm -hmm. podcast episode just needs a part two. I think there's, there's so much we can talk about. <laughs> and I feel like this was a good introduction. This, this episode was good on, on everything of like, what, how do I begin this process? What should I be thinking of? So keep in mind, everything we talked about today, you know, if you're doing a website redesign that's coming up soon, 
you know, go back, listen, look at these tools we've talked about, but we'll be back with a part two on this one. I'm, I'm quite confident. So, um, stay tuned for that. Yeah, but if lot. you have there's a lot of last week's episode still. with Kat and Gabe. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, go back, listen to last week's episode with Kat and Gabe. If you missed that, she's a fantastic guest host as well. And then we talk about um, a little bit of the hot jar a little bit too, but just different strategies too. But again, we'll come back with part two on this one. I, I, I know we have a lot more to talk about, but I want to thank everyone for joining us today. Um, make sure you give Gabe and I a follow on LinkedIn and connect with us. And then make sure you follow the podcast as well. We have a video podcast on Spotify as well as uploaded to YouTube, but you can give us a follow on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for following us today, guys. We'll be back with part two on websites soon.